This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. They keep the podcast going. And even with the playoffs are going on and the Rangers aren't in there, we're still podcasting. So if you want to become a Patreon subscriber and throw a dollar to my face, you can easily do that at patreon.com slash Wishers Breakaway. The second sponsor of this podcast is Empirical Designs. Empirical Designs is a graphic design agency located in New York. Our, their mission is to provide their clients with compelling graphics that ensure their brand will stand up from a crowd. I actually work with Nick all the time, and Nick is a loyal listener of the Bushwick Breakaway, and he's designed both of our shirts. The second one coming soon in our Patreon. Second plug for that. And if you ever need any design help or you want help with a t-shirt, make sure you go to EmpiricalDesigns.net and talk to Nick. Tell him Ryan sent you. And let's get to the show. Weird time for Ranger fans. No playoffs for us. But you still have us for the whole summer till the next season, and the head coach search begins now. Hey, Bushwick Breakaway fans. Welcome to another week of the Bushwick Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead. I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg, say hello. Uh-huh. Yep. So, uh, man, really exciting time for us. Rangers in the playoffs. Rangers in the playoffs. We're up 2-0 oh, yeah. against the Devils. Yeah. It's, you know, I think we're going to go all the way. We have we have cup aspirations. We do. I really like we're- our defense. We have Dan Girardi and Ryan McDonough. Callahan's playing really well. Uh, JT Miller's really blossomed this year. <laughs> it is funny how JT Miller has really blossomed while he's been in Tampa. And yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. He plays he's on playing the with Stan Play with the best players. At the same time, he's also being properly utilized. And it's funny, when a player is properly being utilized, this weird thing happens where um, all their positive traits get accentuated and all their negative traits um, fade a little bit. Huh. You don't say, Greg. Are you it's trying cool. to say when you use players in the right situation, they're good? Hmm. Hmm. No, hmm. this can't might be, be. This can't be true. Uh, no. So I guess what I'm trying to say is when JT Miller is not on like a checking line, he's good. Well, yeah. When his job is to come in to be like a ball buster. You know, you know what JT Miller was really lacking on our team? And I think this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, how did you know <laughs> I was going to say that? I, you know, I had a feeling. Just did, call it a hunch. You seriously are a mind reader. I love, 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 love that there are still people, Rick Carpinello, who say that Elaine Vigneault, his firing had nothing to do with player development. And then you look at someone like JT Miller, whose player development is just exponentially growing by the day. And it's because he's playing with elite players and being utilized properly. Whereas in New York, if he farted on the ice, he'd be stuck on a fourth line. With- Get out of here, JT. You farted. Just unreal. Yeah. Unreal. I don't miss him, Ryan. Well, welcome to another week of the Blue Shirts Breakaway. We are a podcast about Elaine Vigneault. And uh, now that we don't have Elaine Vigneault, we don't know what to talk about. But we'll I, got be- a que- I, got a, I got a question for you, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, are we going to become a Washington Capitals podcast when he's managing the Capitals next year? Whoa. This is something I was not prepared for. What? But AV getting another job. <laughs> he's, he's definitely going to get another job. And the crazy thing is, if he gets the right job, he might once again be successful. It's it's a tried and true formula with Actually, Lane Vino. If, if a team with veteran experience brings you on, the Capitals or brings is him a on, perfect situation for AV. I wouldn't call it perfect because AV is definitely going to give Brooks Orpik 25 minutes a night. Well, yeah, he deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's uh, he's reli- he's reliable that Brooks or pick. I can I can see it now. He's That'd re- be great. Well, you know, he brings toughness to the ice. Yeah, I uh I don't know how Vino would do in Washington. I, I'm not sure how be, Ovechkin would react to him. But it would be, I mean it would I be know? great if Vino got a third generational talent and still couldn't win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> what? What? Oh man, I hate that guy. And I'm so glad he's gone. I don't know. It's 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 relieving. I I do think the Capitals and AV would be an interesting pair, though. Like that, that, I have obviously no sources to back that up. That, that could be a thing. But Trotz, if they lose in the first round of the Blue Jackets, I don't see any way Trotz survives, especially since he's out of a contract after the season. So the AV to the Capitals could be a thing. I think of the teams that have openings, I just don't see how he works with the Stars. I don't, I, I don't know how that well, would the, play out. Well, Lindy Ruff could go back with them. Oh, ha, ha. Uh, yeah, well, before we talk about AV more, what the? F- why is Lindy Ruff still on this team? I don't think he really is. I think it's. Are, you, are they like hanging him out there? Like, hey, Lindy, you still? I, I think kind of yeah, for what for some reason Ruff is just well respected within NHL circles, and I feel like people treat him a little bit with kids' gloves. And maybe he went on vacation immediately after the season, so the Rangers haven't had the face to face with him that they'd like. And they want to have the face-to-face meeting with him, and then they're going to fire him, or maybe reposition him in the front office Greg, and give him. I think what you're trying to job. say is that Lindy is in a rough situation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I, I feel like I feel like that was necessary. Um, yeah, and I, I, Lindy Ruff is not going to be the coach of this team next no, year. There's no. there have been zero indications to that being the case. He might stay within the organization in some way, shape, or form, but I I'd be shocked if he was on the coaching staff. And the fact that the fact that we haven't seen a piece from any of the beat writers, specifically Larry Brooks, saying Lindy Ruff is going to have a nominal role on the Rangers coaching staff. That's all I really need to see to know that it's not happening. Everybody's writing about the coaching prospects that they're most curious about. And uh, Lindy Ruff's name has never come up once. So I, I, I think we're okay here, friends. I think we're all right, my friends. Well, AV could be a Capitals coach. Lindy Ruff could not be our coach. But right now, who are the front runners for our coaching position? I don't know if there's a leader in the clubhouse per se. I, I obviously we're, – We're being an octopus. We're sending out our feelers. Yeah, obviously, uh, that's a thing, right? We've we've talked about him a lot. Other people who write and talk about the Rangers have talked about him a lot. Sheldon Keefe really feels like the guy the smart marks really want behind the bench. Um, we're going to talk with our friend Brian LeBlanc from Kane's Country about Bill Peters later in the podcast because he's a name that's been floated out there. The Hurricanes might be going in a different direction. Peters has the eye of the advanced analytics community a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we're going to touch on that with him. We're going to see if if there's a, a, a tie there. We've heard interesting takes about Scott Stevens, which I think is intriguing. Well, the Scott Stevens thing is like everyone blew up because he was a, he's a devil's coach. I that's just... stupid. I just want to say that, that that is that's stupid. If you don't like the guy because of you think he's – got the wrong mentality. I've personally never watched him. I, I don't get the NHL network. So I don't get to see Scott Stevens talk on TV every night. I do know Minnesota's defense when Scott Stevens was there last year with Bruce Boudreaux was one of the more underrated units in the entire league. And 
the only reason he didn't return to that coaching staff is because he wanted to be closer to his family in New Jersey, which the last time I looked at a map is pretty close to New York. Mm. So he'd be able to do that while coaching. Um, I have I have no reason to believe he wouldn't make at worst a, probably the best defensive coach the Rangers have had in years. If if Scott Stevens wanted to be the Rangers assistant coach to whoever they decide to hire as their head guy, I think that would be a phenomenal hire. To say that I don't want Scott Stevens because he's Devil's legacy, that's just dumb. Get that out of your head. I don't I don't care where any of these guys played as pros or wh- what franchise calls them their own or who retired their number. It doesn't mean anything to me. Only thing I care about is winning hockey games. And if Scott Stevens can help this defense play better and win hockey games with the New York Rangers, of course I'm going to want him on the coaching staff. It, it's ridiculous to say you don't want Scott Stevens because he's a devil. What are you doing? You're what, denying yourself you a doing? chance at uh, a new era, possibly in Rangers hockey, because of the fandom. And listen, I get the rivalry. I understand how much we hate the Devils. I understand much how much we hate the Islanders. And don't how much do you hate the Devils? Let's investigate that a little that, bit. This was, I don't really you, hate the Devils. You beat me to my point. I mean, the Devils won a couple championships in my lifetime, but it was never. I never felt the real rivalry with them of everyone else in the East. I think if I had to rank teams I hate, I think we've done this before, by the way. The Devils are pretty low for me. I don't think the Devils would be in my top five. I think, and maybe this is a mindset. It's weird for me to say it's a New York mindset because I grew up in Connecticut, but it feels like a New York mindset where ah, it's Jersey. I don't give a shit. I, I hate Philly. I, I mean, I full hate, stop. I hate Pittsburgh. I, I hate the Islanders so much. Philly, the Islanders, and the Capitals are in some order one, two, three. Well, because Pittsburgh, I, man. I have Pittsburgh before the Capitals. I don't think I have Pittsburgh before the Capitals. I do. I do for sure. Because it gets to a, it gets to a point with Pittsburgh where it got to a point growing up rooting against the Braves where at a certain point in time you just grow to respect it because that kind of greatness just doesn't happen no, every day. Fucking hate them. I'm good with it. I'm fine. <laughs> I have no problem. Great. Um, but you I, know I will like, say I, I put I put Pittsburgh before the Devils. Like I, the Devils. I don't know. They're just another team in the Metro to me. And I know Jeff Jeff is going to throw a hissy fit when he oh, listens yeah, to this Oh, yeah. He's podcast. absolutely going to throw a knife at us. I just – I don't hate the Devils. Like, they – I should hate the Devils. Martin Brodeur was a was a pest and I, I one of the greatest really the question is, like, when's the last time you sat down and you are like, oh, shit, Rangers-Devils tonight? Never. I've, I've <laughs> never had that thought. I, I, I The only way that would happen is if I was, like, going to watch a game with Jeff. Like Even I, then, even then, I would just be like – yeah, I'm watching a Devils game with Jeff. This is pretty cool. See if the Rangers win. But Rangers Islanders? Oh, baby, I'm in. I'm ready to watch. I'm salivating. Rangers Penguins? Yeah, I want to watch those games. The Rangers Penguin game I went to this year when we won in overtime was fucking amazing. And I hate that team. I will say, since I got to go to the Prudential this year for Rangers Devils, mm-hmm. Devils fans fucking hate the Rangers. Yeah, and I, that makes total sense. Yeah, I just, and I think it's even. I think it makes them hate us more that, that we, Ranger fans are just so cavalier towards and, them. We're and like, maybe oh, we're being in our own bubble right now. Maybe we're like, maybe we just don't know. We'll have to take a poll. Maybe we'll take a poll on Twitter. Maybe, yeah. But going back to our original point, if the reason you don't want Scott Stevens as the Rangers head coach is because he's devil's legacy, quote, you're, you're, you're a mouth breather. I don't know what you're doing. Now, if you have qualms about Stevens's actual game management and worried about 
well, he doesn't have a whole lot of – he doesn't have any head coaching experience, and he has one year as an assistant on a very successful wild team as basically his entire resume. If that worries you a little bit, I'm here to have that conversation. Maybe Scott Stevens' role on the Rangers is best served as assistant to whoever the head coach is. If Sheldon keeps Scott Stevens are the one-two for the Rangers next year, I think the fan base is going to have a, a wonderful time. I just I I'm not here for dismissing someone because he played for the New Jersey Devils. Absolutely, I just I don't want to deny myself that talent because of rivalries. Rivalries are fun, but talent is better. If John Tavares wants to come to the Rangers and also coach the team, he gets that because he's John Tavares. I don't care that he used to play for the Islanders. Well, yeah, well he's going to coach and play and be the captain. So I don't know what we're worried about. Yeah. As long as he keeps Benoit Allaire, I don't care what John Tavares does. Benoit Allaire is unfireable. He can't – he'll be a Ranger coach till he dies. He's, he's, he's Hans for the Mighty Ducks. That's it. That's who he is. He's always going to be there until he's not. But then his legacy and his memory is going to propel the Rangers from beating the varsity team, and that's going to be our finest moment. Well, this is sort of a, a carte blanche episode of a Bushers Breakaway. We don't really – we usually have some sort of theme or tie-in. But this week, we're going to just kind of touch on everything around the league. Let's let's go through the playoff series real quick and make some shitty predictions, shall we? Uh, I don't want to do predictions. Okay. I think Nashville will win. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, you want to talk playoffs, I, I think the thing we talk about is how two of the guys – the Rangers got a second-round pick for Michael Grabner and a third-round pick for Nick Holden. And going into tonight, both of those players will be healthy scratches for the Devils and Bruins, respectively. And people that flame those trades when they happen – well, no one's playing the Nick Holden trade. Find me a Nick Holden trade defender where they were like, the Rangers shouldn't have done that, and I will fight them. <laughs> Personally, it, myself. It's, um, Grabner, I, I don't think we're being unfair to say Grabner just hasn't worked in New Jersey. It, no, it's it definitely just, it hasn't been there. I he, think he has four goals since the trade. I think that, and this is going to sound weird, Grabner was a perfect Elaine Vigneault player. He was. But even... Even as a perfect Elaine Vino player, if you look at how he scored his goals, no, actually, that, that's the way to do it. Elaine Vino utilized Michael Grabner's speed um, that other teams either can't because of the style of hockey they play or don't want to shortchange their whole team dynamic to try and accommodate one player's skill set. Michael Grabner is playing like he did for... The Leafs and the Islanders before he became a Ranger. Michael Grabner was perfect for the Rangers because oh, the Rangers right. are just like, oh, we have the puck. We have to quickly try and get up ice. Who's quicker than Michael Grabner? Very few people. I just – a second-round pick in Igor Rykov for Michael Grabner is just looking better and better every day. That feels pretty good right now. I mean, if Rykov becomes anything, like anything, if he plays the – if he's the seventh defenseman, that's a huge win. Well, not even I, – I mean, I think that's uh, – well, no. Yeah, that's a win, man. I th- I, yeah. The fact that the Rangers just got two assets for Grabner, a guy who's now kind of a square peg in a round hole for the New Jersey Devils and not going to play definitely in game three. He might not get back on the ice for the Devils because they just signed their one of their top unsigned NCAA prospects. He'll probably get some ice. Marcus Johansson is back. He's definitely going to get some ice. I, it's a chance that it's a it's a chance that Michael Grabner has played his last game as a New Jersey Devil. Now, do I want Michael? Gra- 
Obviously, Grabner's free agent stock is taking a hit. He's not going to cost as much. Well, as you were we really worried about. I mean, I wasn't as worried as you were, but you were saying he was going to get paid over and over again. I I, I still think he's going to get in the neighborhood of three million, and I just I I don't really care for Michael Grabner to come back to the Rangers. I'm with what, you. I... What do the Rangers have to gain from Grabner coming back? It even if they're not trying. Even if they want veteran presence in the locker room on a two-year deal on the wing, because that's where they're probably going to have a hole or two to fill this offseason, I don't know why Grabner would be the guy you go get. I don't think he is. He's not. I mean, look at what this team is now. We have a lot of depth, which sounds crazy. There's a lot of guys that need playing time this, this next year coming up. And especially if if Kovalchuk ends up coming here, or I, you know, we joke about the John Tavares thing, but we're not really joking. And he could be here too. So there, we have a lot of of spots that could be filled. I'm not sure Grabner would have a lot of the playing time. I, the last thing I want is to sign Grabner and then put him on the bench, which we wouldn't do. He'd be on the fourth line somewhere. But I think I'd rather develop players. I just the role that Grabner would play next year if the Rangers brought him back. Wouldn't you just rather have Jimmy VC for another season? Would they not play a similar role on the same team? I don't personally think Jimmy VC will be back next year. But I'm just saying, if you're if you're if you're Jeff Gordon, you're sitting down and you're thinking to yourself, well, I could either re-sign Michael Grabner for somewhere in the neighborhood of three million dollars, or I can just give Jimmy VC a bridge contract for somewhere in the two million dollar range. Is the VC upside not greater? It is. Why don't you just go with the young guy? Isn't that the whole point of this? But. You were talking about guys who need playing time. We still don't know who will need playing time with the Rangers. There's so many things the Rangers could, should, would do coming up to the NHL draft. Nemestikov, Spooner, Hayes, Shea, VC. Are these guys going to be here? Zuccarello, is he going to be here? All those guys could be here. All those guys could get traded. Some of those guys could get traded. We honestly don't know, which is another reason why it doesn't make any sense for the Rangers to be thinking that, one of their open wing spots, and I think there'll be one or two, should go to someone like Grabner. I just, I'm with you. It doesn't make sense. Just let Vinny play a little bit. Let let Thierry come up, play a little bit. Bunieves, he needs to see if he can earn a spot on this team moving forward. I just, the the spot that Michael Grabner would fill on the Rangers next year, just give it to a young kid. Let him play. Let the, Use him on your third line. And see what happens. And he probably plays to what, 60 to 80% of the production that Grabner provides? Yeah, well, I mean, the, whole other thing, the whole other thing we're not even talking about is we're calling Michael Grabner a system player. The system's gone. If Elaine <laughs> Vigneault was here, sure. That's true. Michael Grabner would be another 25 goals probably under Elaine Vigneault. And then, yes, you'd have to somehow do the calculus and figure out where you're going to get 25 goals from to replace Michael Grabner. But the Rangers are going to be playing in a completely different style next year, completely different system. Maybe the Michael Grabner, the Rangers sign in free agency is who we've been seeing with the Devils and not who we saw with the Rangers. And that, I wouldn't want to pay Devils Michael Grabner $3 million annually for multiple years. Uh, What's the point of that? No. That that would be, it's not as bad as a Tanner Glass signing, but even with a team with as much cap flexibility as the Rangers have, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You shouldn't be giving $3 million annually to a guy who probably – is a poor man's Jesper Foss? If Tanner is out of the league next year, we have to bombard him and get him on the show. Absolutely. We have, there's 100. We I want everyone to find a way to get me Tanner Glass in the show. I need everyone's help. <laughs> I, I, I'm begging you. Um, 
Yeah, Grabner, I don't think I would want back. I don't know. No. The, the Michael Grabner era exceeded all expectations, and why don't we just leave it at that? Uh, not only exceeded all expectations, gave us a great return for the future. For what that, That's what I'm saying. Michael Grabner, when he was here, scored like, what, like, 45 goals yeah, for the Rangers? Like, I think more. And then he was transformed into a second-round pick and a – uh, a, a B prospect. level, a yeah, B level a defensive prospect. prospect. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's I take that every day, Same twice thing. on Sundays. And this was the guy last year we were talking about, who people were saying <clears throat> Ryan that the Rangers should trade him while his value was high, or otherwise they'd lose him in the expansion draft. And then we didn't lose him in the. I expansion definitely draft, said that, and we still I, traded I, him. I still stand by that. I the, the, I can't believe that we still got the value we did. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see if the Rangers actually got more value this year. For Grabner, because whichever team was going to acquire him last year would have had to worry about the expansion draft too. That's true. Instead, we lost some guy that's you know playing on a team that's up three zero against the Kings. No big deal. Is he actually is Lindbergh actually playing though? Great question that I don't know off the top of my head. I haven't heard Ranger fans on Twitter talk um, about Lindbergh about him in a very all. long time. So I'm, so I'm starting to think. Okay, Oscar Lindbergh is a fourth line center that the Rangers lost in the expansion draft. I mean that happens, and now we're loaded with centers. Yeah, where that's where is Oscar Lindbergh getting ice time on this Ranger team next year? Uh, nowhere. He if Booney Evans can't crack the lineup, I don't know how Lindbergh would. I'm actually gonna look up Oscar Lindbergh now and see if he's playing. Um, but okay, one more thing we wanted to talk about. So that Nick Holding guy, he's not playing, huh? <laughs> he wasn't playing in the regular season either. That's literally a free third round pick the Rangers got for Nick Holden, and I guess Rob O'Gara. But I'm not even get who cares about Rob O'Gara? The the free third round pick that's a lottery ticket. The last time Lindbergh played a game was April 7th. Um, I I cannot believe that we got third draft pick for Nick Holden. It's been a couple weeks now, and I'm still, like, shocked and flabbergasted. How did, how did he fall for the trick of maybe Le Mignot was smart by keeping him on the first barrel no. all year? No. No? No. <laughs> that's, that's the other thing. Someone um, came into our mentions on Twitter and said, well, isn't, isn't Grabner and Holden – not playing actually an indictment on the Rangers' talent level. I, I don't think it's an indictment on the Rangers' talent level. I just think it's a further indictment on Elaine Vigneault because the talent is still there on the Rangers' roster. If you look at the Rangers and just run down the list, there are plenty of guys who should be playing over guys like Grabner and Holden right now. The problem is Elaine Vigneault didn't want to play those guys. He wanted to play his guys. And his guys were people like Nick Holden, and Michael Grabner. And they said we couldn't make a podcast about Elaine Mignot if he wasn't the coach. Ah, uh, we're not done. We well, won't be done until the new coach is hot. We won't be done until opening night, quite honestly. Yeah, you think we're done? You think we're done no. on opening night? That's no. generous. Our, is one of our – we're working on new batches of stickers for the summer. Is one of our stickers going to be just a fired AV sticker? It has to be, right? Uh, I think it might be past time when we do that. I mean, we're going to be talking about him for months. Months! <laughs> I want to forget him. I don't want to stick him anywhere. We have Tanner Glass stickers still. But Tanner's a god and a legend. <laughs> that guy's we'll, a fucking we'll miracle. Talk. We'll talk. We know what the first two are. We're, we're yeah, still we'll on the fence about the third. We'll chit-chat. Um, all right. Where do we go from here, Gregory? We've talked a lot of the Ranger news, a lot of the playoff teams. The Rangers are up 2 nothing in the playoffs. I think the Lightning are going to handle the Devils pretty easily. Despite, Sorry, Jeff. D- despite uh me liking some people on the Devils and also Jeff being one of our dear friends. But that Lightning team is a juggernaut. And I don't see them being stopped, if I'm being honest. Ah, they might be stopped by the Bruins. The Bruins right now are yeah. just putting up points Ooh. like it's nobody's business. 
No, and uh, and that Flyers Penguins series is not entertaining because it's just going five one each way every other night. I should note we're recording on six twenty eight on a Monday night, and uh, we have not watched the games that happened tonight. So there you go. <laughs> Are you going to watch the games that happened tonight? Perhaps not. I've had a hell of a week, Greg. You? It's Monday. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I know. The Mets are on at seven. You'll be watching that. Yeah, I'll watch the Mets game. Well, I was thinking about watching the Yankee game because it's the first time they're playing in five days because the rain decides baseball <laughs> isn't fun. That's crazy. It yeah. wasn't even rain. It was snow. What yeah. are you talking about? Dude, this April, it's just every single baseball game I've wanted to watch in the past couple of days has just been postponed. Oh, so you haven't wanted to watch a single Met game? I watched Noah Syndergaard strike out eight in a row. That was pretty fun. Yeah, he's, you know what? Noah Syndergaard, fun to watch. Huh, how about that? <laughs> yeah, weird, right? Who knew? Oh, you got, wait, you guys were done talking about Rangers? I don't know. Um, let's talk about Leas Anderson one, one more time. Oh, yeah, let's touch on this. Let's huh? do this real quick, and then we'll, then we'll go over to our interview. We'll come back and do some nonsense get the fuck out of here. Let's do it. Leas Anderson, uh, some people, some Ranger experts, okay, coach, um, pretty much have said, you know, we, don't, we, we know what Leas is already. He's like a 40 to 50-point player. Do we know that? Uh, I think we're we're comfortable saying he will be at least that, right? I, I don't I don't think it's a stretch to say Elias Anderson has forty to fifty point potential. I don't think anyone would take umbrage with that. My the thing, and we talked about this on the last um, personalized podcast with our friend Bob Kawa. Uh, that one we dropped late last week. It is up now for our Patreon. Subscribers, plug, 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 plug. If you want to, if you want to listen to it, become one. So on, so forth, yada yada, etc., etc. Anyway, the problem is not uh, forty to fifty points for Leah Anderson. Yeah, sure, that is a that is a fair baseline projection for Leah Anderson. That is probably if you run the Leah Anderson projection scenarios one hundred times, that probably comes out the most. But there are still projections out there that say maybe fifty five. Maybe he becomes a three-zone player in the mold of a Ranger version of Rick Nash. Not the 40-goal scorer, but some guy who's always going to be a threat to score that also gives you solid defensive performances on a nightly basis. Maybe he's a first-line center. Maybe he's a second-line center. Maybe he's really best used in a middle-six role floating between the second and third line. The problem, Ryan, that I have with people on Twitter – is trying to give a kid, because that's what Leah Anderson is. He's 19. He's a kid. Trying to give a kid a definitive outcome and saying something irresponsible like the Rangers admit they didn't hit a home run on the Leah Anderson pick. What? What? What do you what does that even mean? You you how? How in the sample size that we have can you make that judgment? Well, it's not even that. It's uh, the other prospects, I they're, yeah, they're good, but they're not knocking down doors. It's like these guys the, are fucking blowing it up. Yet. Right. This is this is the other point. So the the guy we hear about the most that fans are angry about not taking is Casey Middlestad. And Casey Middlestad looks like a great young player. But Middlestad wasn't even like on our draft list from everything I've heard. He should have been. He was rated around the same point as Leas. The one Middlestad is the most popular one we hear. The one that makes me the angriest are People saying the Rangers should have taken Ely Tolvanen. Tolvanen went 30th. The entire league missed on Tolvanen. The only guy I've seen looking back at draft rankings that had Tolvanen in the top 10 was Corey Pronman. And to Pronman's credit, he had him ranked 7th. 
However, <laughs> that would be nice, huh? Compiling all the rankings, Ryan, all the rankings from every expert out there. If you compiled the rankings, Leas Anderson was ranked 14th and Tolvanen was 15th. So if you you had to be going out on the limb of all limbs to say that Tolvanen was going to be a lock, a lock better than Leas Anderson. And here's the other thing. Tolvanen was great in Russia. We still don't really know if he's going to be great in the NHL. No, I- all signs point to it. But we don't know. You know why we don't know? He's a fucking teenager. That's also, why we don't know. They're all teenagers. Yeah. yeah. This crazy thing happens, it's Ryan. It's fun to get excited about hyped prospects. Trust me, God, do I know. I love a prospect. Man, calling it right now, Fernando Tati Jr. is winning three MVPs in the MLB. Just, Damn right. And thank you for trading him to me in the offseason. You're so welcome. It hurt me to do it, but I was trying to get the entire stand, and I did. Thank you. But you, but you know what happens, Ryan, is... Sometimes players aren't Connor McDavid as soon as they're drafted. Sometimes they're not Sidney Crosby. Sometimes they're not Evgeny Malkin. Sometimes these players need some years to develop. Sometimes these guys are more like I, I, I Ryan Getzlaff, who wasn't great coming out the shoot. Sometimes these guys, they're fucking prospects. I don't know how you can take the sample size you had from Leas Anderson this year, a sample size that includes a fantastic world junior. A strong showing in Hartford. Uh, and A captain of his team. And a, for lack of a better term, he was buried with Elaine Vigneault. A guy who had to play with, yeah, he had to play with Paul Carey and Cody McLeod. What were you expecting him to be when he came up here? I just, I, and the thing that, uh, the thing that pissed me off, and we all know who tweeted it. I'm not going to say his name, no, Adam Herman. Everyone doesn't know, but, you know, we're not, don't say it again. But I'm not going to say his name, Adam Herman. Adam Herman. Adam Herman. We won't but talk about Adam Herman. The, the way he worded the tweet is really what I think made people angry, myself included. It was He was saying he has no sources to back this up, and he hasn't spoken with anyone in the organization, but the Rangers feel that Elias Anderson is not the type of player you can build around. What? What? Just say in your opinion then. Don't don't try and hide under the fact that maybe possibly kind of sort of someone maybe one time in conversation made a comment about Leah Sanderson. If if you literally don't have it from a source and you literally don't have it from anyone in the organization and yet you put those things ahead of your opinion saying the Rangers feel, not you feel, the Rangers feel that Leah Sanderson will not be a building block for this team, that is the definition of irresponsible. And I would I would blast anyone doing that. I would blast you for doing that, Ryan, if you did it. I think the Rangers feel that they could build around Leah Sanderson. <laughs> I think <laughs> no, if I'm you, kidding. I, I've, I've said this on the podcast before, and I'll, I'll say it again. I think, and I know Drew Way is the one that's saying the Rangers didn't draft Leah Sanderson because they felt he was the most NHL ready, and he actually has someone in the organization saying that the Rangers specifically did not take Leah Sanderson because they felt. He was the most NHL ready. So that we can put facts to. However, I will say, I think the Rangers were more willing to swing for the fences at 21 on Philip Heedle because they already had Leas Anderson. And they felt comfortable knowing his ceiling. I wonder... Actually knowing his floor, rather. I wonder, I wonder, Ryan, if Heedle was taken at seven and Anderson was taken at 21, are we having this conversation? Absolutely not. If those picks are flipped and it's just Heedle going seventh and it's Anderson going 21st, do, are we talking about the Rangers at seven not getting a 
player they feel they can build. You can always complain. You are. can always complain about missing out of the best player in the draft. Of course, you can always do that. But Heedle has exceeded all expectations by a lot. I think that's fair to say, right? I, I think that's incredibly fair to say. And I think the best player in this draft, in my mind, is Nico Heischer. He went number one overall. Wow. The second best player in the draft might end up being Nolan Patrick. He went second overall. When all things are said and done, there is a good chance that Ely Tolvanen is going to be one of the five best players taken in this year's draft. To be angry at the Rangers for not taking him at 7 or 21, it's irresponsible because, one, the Rangers got two NHL players in the first round. Regardless of how you feel about Leah Anderson and Filipino, they've proven that they're going to have NHL careers. Both are going to play in the NHL for sure. Which, by and large, is a success by draft standards. Anything past 15, if you get an NHL player, you're doing well. Exactly. And everybody missed. It's it's just a fact. Everybody missed on Tolvanen. Every, he everybody. Went 30. The Predators got a gift at 30 by getting Tolvanen. Corey Pronman, again, is the only guy I've seen that had Tolvanen in his top 10 going into the draft. Corey Pronman is the one that could be out here saying, fucking told you, should have taken him in the top 10. But even then, Tolvanen has just as much of a question mark as to what his NHL career is going to be as Leas Anderson. We just don't know. Casey Middlestad, same thing. The guy looks like he could be an all-star in the NHL. Emphasis on the looks, though, because he has to do it. So does Leah, so does Tovan, and so does Heedle, so does everybody taken in that first round. It is ridiculous to have such a stern, hard take at this point in Leah Anderson's career to say something like the Rangers don't feel like they can build around Leah. They should think about trading him to move up in this draft. Do you need to build around Leah? Well, no, that's another that's question. Not, not every player taken in the top 10 of the draft has to be your franchise. That's another fallacy right there. Leah Sanderson doesn't have to be the Rangers' answer. He could be part of the answer and still be a very successful seventh overall pick. Leah Sanderson should not have the pressure on him where he needs to be the guy for the New York Rangers. That's not how this team is built. That wasn't the plan when they took him. Last year's draft was a notoriously weak draft, not from the sense that there were only bad players available, but everybody agreed going into the draft there was probably no superstar. It was just a good to average draft class. There were going to be guys that were going to have NHL careers, but there was no McDavid. There was no Patrick Laine. There was no Sidney Crosby. There was no Rasmus Dahlin. These guys did not exist in last year's draft. So you had to hit your marks. And by all accounts, standing here right now with you, Ryan, the Rangers hit their mark. They got two NHL players in the first round of the draft, one of which, Filipito, looks like a perennial all-star if he hits his ceiling. And I don't know, as a Ranger fan, what more you could have possibly wanted. I, I Listen, you always want things perfect, but life's not perfect. And boy, do I know that. But the, the, uh, the other thing is, like, we don't know what perfect is. The Rangers weren't getting Heischer any way you cut it. Right, and so, everything else still is, still is a wild card after. Heedle, by the way, could end up being the best player after that. Sure. They, or he could be a bust, too. Like, here's the thing. If you're going to be that hard on Leah Anderson, you better be that hard on Philip Heedle. Because what has Heedle proven? He can score goals. That's it. In, in, in the AHL, he can score goals. But we also don't know if he can stay healthy. No, he missed we a don't. lot of games last year. We, again, so, you know what, Greg? At the end of the day, you know what we do know? What? Nothing, man.
that's that's life bro that's life man do you want to go over the interview with brian leblanc let's hit it brian we're coming your way trend we are back with our guest brian leblanc he is a managing editor 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 at canescountry.com that was incredible brian say hello hello what's up man you are a recurring guest this is your second time in the bush breakaway I know you have. Although a... I guess, I guess, the, I guess the pessimist way of looking at it is, I didn't get enough to, I didn't do enough the first time around to get me disinvited from coming back. So I have to work harder. <laughs> right. You I, listen. I, we're all about striving to be mediocre here, and that's what we do. Absolutely. Um. Today we're going to talk to you about a coach, and then if we should hire him, and I'll let Greg take okay. it from here because I've been out of the loop this week. <laughs> yeah, Brian. The main reason I want to bring you on. Obviously, I don't know if you've heard, uh, Elaine Vino got fired. <gasps> oh, it's incredible. Did you have it's any? Remarkable. Did you have any thoughts on that, Brian? I the only thought that I really had on that. First off, I actually I had two. First off, I'm really kind of pissed at Jeff Gordon for doing it when he did, because it prevented us from going an entire season without having a coach fired, because yeah. it was second to last day of the season, like. Wait a day. It doesn't count. It counts. I mean, I guess it does, but still. It doesn't count. No, because they had that makeup game between the Bruins and the Panthers the next day, so it doesn't count. Oh, that sucks. Right? <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I, I was here for having an entire season with no coach fired, and then, then they go and fire the coach. Usually it's on Monday. They go ahead and turf him at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, and because of that, you get an asterisk next to it in the record book, and you technically did have one coach fired. To be season. fair, Brian, Elaine Vino has a lot of asterisks next to his name in the record book, and this is just another <laughs> one. This is true. And I, you know, I, I can understand the thinking behind dumping him and trying to go elsewhere. I just kind of wonder if he, I mean, and you know, you guys follow the Rangers more than I do. We From do. outside perspective, I kind of, yes, right? Um, <laughs> I kind of wonder if he got really a fair shake because. Oh, you know, boy. But, what the team they're they're going to rebuild obviously and you know he's got a lot of experience with young guys you know he had a bunch of of youngsters in Vancouver that came through and then um you know he kind of brought up you know Mill, the the Miller Kreider McDonough group was already there when he was there but they kind of you know came of age when he was there so he's got experience dealing with a group of guys that may not be the oldest in the group in the in the league and I could I could kind of see it both ways I wouldn't have been surprised I obviously wasn't surprised that he was let go but I wouldn't have been surprised if he had been given another chance to see you know let's see what you can do with this next generation of guys that's coming through but again you guys follow the Rangers. Much you will not be surprised about what we're about to say we're <laughs> very happy he's gone well, yeah fair enough it's always interesting to hear like an outsider's perspective on someone like Elaine Vino because as a Ranger fan, I can tell you for sure he is not the guy you want coaching a young roster. He is okay. he is perfect for veteran rosters, which is why he was as close to perfect as he could be his first two years mm-hmm. with the Rangers because those were veteran heavy teams. Yeah, but I mean, you brought up a guy like J.T. Miller, and I, I again we've mentioned this on the podcast multiple times. We know. He's playing with Stamkos and Kucherov, but he just looks so much freer in yeah. Tampa Bay than he ever did playing for Vino in New York. Which kind of brings us to the reason that I think you guys want me on this podcast, mm. that's the uh, possible availability of Bill Peters, because I kind of see a little bit of a parallel here 
between the two in that Hurricanes fans are ready to buy the plane ticket for him and drive him to the airport. You know, the they, they could even call the cab for him. We have experience with that in this market. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, and, it, and it kind of makes us scratch our heads around here when we see, you know, other markets have been calling him and are interested in his services. And we're like, okay, have them. That's fine. This is, this is exactly actually why we wanted to bring you on because the, the general non hurricane view of Bill Peters is still very positive. It's almost like here's this guy, he's analytically driven, maybe more so than some of his peers, but maybe he just hasn't had a good goalie to really back him up. But one of our um, good friends, Drew Way, did some digging. And the underlying numbers of Bill Peters' team kind of show that he's actually a poor defensive coach and it might just not be the goalie. What is – you know a lot better than us in this regard. What, um, what do you see from Bill Peters, the coach? Should we be interested? You know, Bill Peters is a really interesting test case for how far you want to take um, – analytics and advanced stats and so forth because the underlying numbers by and large are really good they're they're you know most of the problem that they've had has been poor shooting percentage and goaltending um it's it's interesting to see because i mean there's a there's always this tug of war i think between the do you watch the game crowd and the spreadsheet crowd and i know that that you know there it's shades of gray and it's not you know, one or the other. But Peters is a really interesting case because the numbers look really good and the Hurricanes for years have looked like a team that should be better than they are. But for whatever reason, it just never really comes together. And under Peters, you know, we've we've had a uh, shutdown pairing in Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci develop. Um, Justin Falk has had highs and lows, I guess is the most polite way to say it this past year was pretty close to a complete disaster, but he's, you know, a year removed from having been a three-time all-star. So, I mean, he's, he knows what he's doing and, you know, he's played good hockey under Bill Peters, but for whatever reason, they've just never been able to sustain that and let it go for more than, you know, three or four games at a time. And every time they look like they're getting momentum, it just gets shot in the foot and they have to start all over again. And that's the thing that's kind of frustrating about watching the Hurricanes under Bill Peters is that, you know, there's just this idea that, oh, we just need to work harder. We need to do more with what we've got. We need to make sure our guys are in the right place. But, I mean, this is stuff that we've heard for four years, and it's never really gotten any better. It just, you know, even if you throw out the first year, which was planned to be a rebuilding year, the Hurricanes have treaded water for the last three years. They haven't gotten markedly better. In fact, this past year, they've gotten worse. And, you know, some of that's got to be player deployment. Some of that's got to be, you know, strategy with your with your personnel. And a lot of that falls on the coaching staff, which includes Peters, obviously. Is there a seminal moment in your mind that to you signals Bill Peters just isn't your guy? Like for Ranger fans, a lot of us, us included, latch on to his misuse or underuse of someone like Pavel Buchnevich. Is there a player that Peters has, I don't know if buried is the right word, but is there a player that he just clearly can't get right in Carolina that would worry me? I don't really think that there's a guy that he's misused to any certain extent the way that, you know, 
um, you know, other Hurricanes coaches of the past have, have buried players. You could maybe pick a nit with how he uses Jeff Skinner, you know, a 30-goal guy that never really gets above the third line mo- more often than not. But Skinner's a, a pathetic defensive player. I mean, you know, he's – I know the plus-minus is a flawed stat, but the one place where it comes in handy – is when you're comparing guys on the same team to see like who was on the ice for goals. Skinner's a minus 20 something and you know half the team is somewhere between minus 10 and plus 5. So I mean it sticks out like a sore thumb. It's defend it's defensible how he uses how he's used Skinner. Obviously you'd want to see a guy with that kind of scoring capability get more of a chance offensively, but you know, he's such a liability in his own end that I don't really think you can blame Peters for how he's used him. Where it's been really frustrating more than anything is, and this isn't necessarily quite as much on Peters specifically, but also on the, you know, now departed, well, not departed, but, you know, fired upstairs Ron Francis. Um, you know, guys like Valentin Zikoff, who won the AHL scoring title, um, didn't he didn't come up until the very end of the season. Warren Fogle, Another guy who in Charlotte had a great year uh, came up for a cup of coffee near the end of the season. But at that point, the, uh, you know, the ship had kind of sailed. And the Hurricanes need goal scorers. They need to, people that can put pucks in the back of the net. And if you're not going to use Skinner in that role, you've got to get someone who will. Because God bless Jordan Stahl, and he does just about everything for this team. But he's not a scorer. And the Hurricanes have been crying out for a scorer the past few years. And they had guys in Charlotte. I understand the thinking behind keeping them down there, letting them kind of grow together and so forth. But at some point, are we here for the Carolina Hurricanes or are we here for the Charlotte Checkers? Like, if there's something that you can do to improve the, to improve the uh, scoring capacity of the team that can't score, why wouldn't you do it? That's the thing that I think most people got more frustrated with Peters uh, than anyone else. As far as, like, a seminal moment, uh, what comes to mind is a game toward the uh, middle of March, late in the season. You know, by this point, the, the playoffs are a pipe dream. Um, the Hurricanes had a 4-1 lead over the Bruins with 10 minutes left. They lost the game 6-4. to They gave up five goals in the last 10 minutes of the – actually, yeah, five goals in the last 10 minutes. One was an empty netter. So they gave up four goals in the span of like six minutes. I want to note. And... I want to note something really quick, not to interject, but to do exactly that. Uh, we were trying yeah. to lose, and we beat your ass. <laughs> yes, I know. It was like I was like, "Why are we beating the Hurricanes? Stop!" I think we did it twice, yes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, you did well. The the Rangers have had the Hurricanes number for years. You, I mean, I remember the game you're talking about was not too long after that Bruins game. And someone asked Peters in the press conference after the game, what is it, basically, what is it with these guys? And he said, boy, if I knew, I'd tell you. It was like 5-1, and someone texted me, like a a listener of the show, and they were like, did we beat the Hurricanes for a particular reason? (laughs) I was like, no, we just kicked their ass, we can't help it. It's, it was, it's bizarre. Um, But, I mean, I had, and it's funny you mentioned that, because I, Darren Ravel, God love him, had something up on Twitter last night about, um, leads like like story leads that were unwritten um, with Bartolo Colon possibly pitching a perfect game. Oh my some god! Rock- yeah, I know, right? Um, some would have been phenomenal, by the way. I don't, I don't know what I would have done. Sorry to cut you off. <laughs> Absolutely, they would have, they would have thrown a parade for. Him, I, I, I'm convinced. I would have had um, to go. Some Rangers writer posted on Twitter the lead for 
the perfect game had it been thrown that he had already written because they got he got to what the like seventh or eighth inning almost the eighth yeah and so obviously that never saw the light of day and it made me realize it made me think about a, a month or so ago I had posted the lead to that Bruins game on Twitter that I just control a deleted and had <laughs> up with something in the last 10 minutes because it was just a complete collapse. And if you wanted to see um, the game that I think encapsulated where hurricanes fans really lost their patience with Peters, that was it because I know you're playing the Bruins, but you're up four one in your own rink with 10 minutes left. You should not be losing that game. So Peters has his basically an opt out by the end of this week. Right. But from what it sounds like from our conversations, it kind of sounds like a foregone conclusion that the Hurricanes are going to go a different direction. I think so. And that's certainly the, uh, the, the feeling that I get from talking to people inside the organization and, um, you know, going to the press conference last week that the owner Tom Dunn had. Um, you know, obviously Dundon wants to save a million six if he can by not firing him and letting Peters walk. Um, on his own. Uh, so that's where the that's where the delay is. I mean, it's basically a high-stakes game of chicken. Peters is basically daring Dundon to not fire him while he's looking around at other jobs, and Dundon's saying, I'm, I'm not going to fire you. It's kind of the, you know, you're fired. You can't fire me. I quit. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's, I think he's probably gone one way or the other, and it's just a question of who the one is that pulls the trigger, whether it's Peters or whether it's the team. Um, I don't really see a way that he can come back at this point. It became public knowledge today, Monday, that he's been contacted by other um, organizations. I'm sure the stars have called. I'm sure that uh, the flames were mentioned. It wouldn't surprise me if they get a call, you know, maybe he goes back and works as an assistant in Toronto. I don't know. Uh, There, there are options. There is the point. And I think that once you start sniffing around, that it kind of becomes a foregone conclusion uh, that he's probably not coming back. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they just promote the uh, the coach from the from the checkers, Mike Vellucci, who uh, used to be the Plymouth Whalers coach uh, once upon a time. Uh, obviously, he's done well with the checkers this year. Uh, they're going to the playoffs and they're playing. The, great uh, fries, bro. They have great fries. Yes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the, the direction they go in. But at this point, I'd have to think that if you're putting money on it, it's probably 70, 75% that he's gone. And that might be understating it by a little bit. Other than- I do. I do like gambling. As do I, but for entertainment purposes only. Yeah. Well, for, I'll, for you. Yes. For me, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll admit when I, uh, when I, when I put money down on a bet now, Listen, Brian, it does sound like, like you're fairly down. I, I, on I, I, Bill Peters. Greg, you're, but, you are talking over our guest. Let him finish. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Brian, what were you saying as, before I'm, Greg? I, I was just giving, I'm giving you an edit point there. Okay, great. Would... <laughs> <laughs> um, basically what, Brian, give me in your most, I, I, it, it's a lot to ask because obviously if someone tried to ask me to give an unbiased opinion of Elaine Vino, God help him. But yeah. try and give me a reason why Bill Peters would be a good fit for the Rangers and why I should be terrified if the Rangers are interested in him. Bill Peters strikes me as the new age Denny Savard in a way. 
he's the guy that comes in before the guy you get to take you over the top. Interesting. Um, you remember that, that Savard was the coach of the Blackhawks for a couple of years coming out of the lockout. Um, you know, he got the Hawks back to some semblance of respectability, really, really young team, um, you know, not expected to do a whole lot. Then he got fired, you know, a couple of years after the lockout, they hired Quenville and they went on to win three Stanley Cups. Peters kind of strikes me as that same kind of guy. He's got a ceiling. I don't really know what he'd do with a more veteran team because he's never really had one here. And his calling card has always sort of been working with younger guys. Um, he coached Rockford, the, the uh, Blackhawks AHL affiliate, which is where he was hired from to come here. Uh, before that, he was, or no, after that, no, he was hired from Detroit. He was an assistant to Mike Babcock in Detroit. Uh, before that, he coached at Rockford. And before that, he was the coach for a decent while for the uh, Spokane Chiefs of the Western Hockey League. So he's got a long history of working with younger players. I think that's kind of his calling card. And frankly, I don't know what he would be like with a team of, you know, grizzled veterans. And, you know, thinking of the, the Bruins come to mind, you know, just guys up and down that just have, you know, playoff experience using out the wazoo and, you know, all over the place and not a whole lot of, of young blood in there. Um, that's never really been Peters's calling card. And it might just be more, uh, more a uh, victim of circumstances than anything. Um, but I kind of get the sense that he's the sort of guy that you want to have in place to put the blocks in place and to put the structure in place that then you build on with the next guy that comes in. Hmm. So I think if, if a team hires Peters, um, I probably wouldn't expect them to, um, can, depending on where they are right now, I wouldn't expect them to necessarily contend for a playoff spot next year. But in some cases, that might be okay. I mean, it was okay here when we hired him um, you know, four years ago. Nobody was expecting the playoffs four years ago. And I think even uh, last year was probably the first real season that there was even a, a hint of expectation. I don't think it was quite universal at that point. This year, it was pretty much universal. The expectation was that the Hurricanes were going to make the playoffs, and Peters couldn't get him over the hump to do it. I don't know if that means that he's incapable of doing it, if it has to do more with the players he had available to him, or if it's a coaching style thing. But as of right now, he hasn't proven that he can take a team and make them overachieve into the playoffs. Interesting. Well, the Rangers definitely fit the bill as a team that may or may not flirt with a playoff spot next year. We'll definitely be on the younger side, but I, I would say expectations as of right now, this team doesn't feel like a playoff team. Again, a lot can change between even now and the draft. But if we're talking about how the team is constituted at the moment, it really feels like this team is building more towards a two-year plan. Mm -hmm. um, but it, yeah, that's it's probably it, right up Peters' alley. I mean, that's that's the type of organization that that I think fits him well. He did well with the teams that he had here. I mean, if you want to say he overachieved, I think he may have a little bit the first year he was here, and to an extent the second year, and he got submarined by goaltending which has been you know our it's it's just been a recurring nightmare here for the last 12 years or so um and it's never really changed um but it just seems like there's a there's a ceiling for what we've been able to see there's a ceiling of consistency and there's a ceiling of at some point you just need to get 
a bunch of parts that are bigger than the whole to try to do something and move it forward. And there's no better example. And honestly, what the Vegas Golden Knights are doing this year is making it a lot tougher for coaches like Peters to say, well, I don't have the guys available to us because Gerard Gallant took a you know bunch of ragtags and they're on the verge of sweeping the first round of the playoffs. And we're in the conversation for the president's trophy until the last couple of weeks of the season. So, you know, it makes it that much harder if you're a coach like Peters that's on the hot seat and you've got an owner that's paying attention. He says, well, this guy can go out and, you know, post 105 points. What's your excuse? That's, that's totally fair. Brian, I want to thank you for coming on and sure. and saying all these knowledge things to us. I think Greg was going to ask a question, but I have no I have no longer any question on my side. Greg, go ahead. <laughs> I was I was just going to say if you wanted to put a bow on the hurricane season because I remember we had you on during when we were doing all our preseason stuff and you were mm-hmm. then you said that the Hurricanes could and should be a playoff team. Obviously, it didn't happen, and now we're lottery bros. Um, you are correct, sir. How would how would you put a bow on the mess that was 2017, 2018? Well, I think you described it right there. It was a mess. Um, you know, Scott Darling never got out of the gate. Um, I think he comes back next year. Um, I don't really see a situation where the Hurricanes have two new starting goal or two new goaltenders. I wouldn't be shocked if they have zero, but I don't think they are going to keep. I don't think they're going to keep one of them. And I think the more likely one to go is Cam Ward. Um, But then there's so much institutional knowledge that's wrapped up there that it wouldn't surprise me if they come back with both of them this year. Uh, They've got a guy, Alex Nedeljkovic, who led the AHL and wins this year uh, down in Charlotte. He's still probably a year or two away. And you have to think that at some point he's probably going to get a crack at the NHL, but I don't think they're quite ready for it yet. Um, you know, this roster should have been good enough to make the playoffs. They were largely healthy this year. That wasn't an issue. Um, you know, they had trouble scoring, but they've had trouble scoring forever. And um, part of the reason that Ron Francis is no longer the general manager, I think, is that he, you know, he was almost too conservative and held his cards too tight to the vest. He's got the assets to make a deal and try to bring some scoring in and just he sat on them. So, you know, Peters at some point seemed like he was getting a little bit frustrated with how things were going, but then at other times he was overly complimentary of the job that the front office had done. So I think there's a little bit of, you know, friend or foe going on there to try to make it more, you know, try to just add a monkey wrench into this whole thing. Um, you know, they should be again in the playoff conversation next year, but let's see, A, who the new GM is, and B, what changes they bring to the roster. They don't really have anything you know, too far, uh, you know, any significant pieces that are up for a contract this year. Um, Slavin and Pesci have new contracts that kick in this year. Um, Skinner is going to be up after next year. That's the next big one that's coming down the pike. But for next season, it's going to largely be the same group of guys. And it's just a matter of if they can add to that, probably by trade in the off season. If they can, I think we're probably having a different conversation this time next year. At least I hope so. Anything else, Greg? No, that that <laughs> I, that I, he put he put about Brian put a bow on it. The bow that was a nice present underneath my theoretical Christmas tree. Brian, I was thanking you before, but I'm going to thank you again. Always a pleasure having you on. Come back on again because you really yeah. do uh, drop some fucking knowledge, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, I'll, man. Uh, I'll, try to do, I'll try to do some uh, real estate research and see if there are any more side deals being made. <laughs> <laughs> try to find where Girardi's moving next, man. Can you, uh, can you just plug your stuff real quick and then we'll get out of here? Yeah, you can find us at canescountry.com. Uh, we're actually doing um, something kind of cool. What we do during the playoffs is assign beat writers to each, um, each playoff series. And so every day we have a daily post of oh, fun. recaps from the previous night things to look for in that night's games and you know everybody kind of pitches in and makes for some really long articles because of the first round you've got but you know eight series going out yeah it's a lot um but you know the way we do it you know it gives everybody a chance to kind of keep their writing chops in form when there's not a whole lot going on and i think our writers have really done a bang-up job um covering these series so far um i'm especially appreciative of the guy that's covering the caps and blue jackets series because he actually lives in dc oh man chronicling the the caps fan zeitgeist in real time it's hysterical oh. every night every night he's texting me about some caps fan friend of his that's just ready to hurl himself off the washington monument i mean it's there i i i, I complain about the hurricanes not having been in the playoffs in the last nine years but at least i'm not a caps fan <laughs> <laughs> shots fired it, it's all right. At least they have the Nationals. <laughs> oh, wait. Well, the, okay. the, what, about, what, about the wiz- what about the Wizards? <laughs> uh, yeah, and Jay, John, John Wall's from Raleigh, so shout out to John Wall. That's true. Jo- uh, at least the Reds get – anyway. Um, no, no, no. He's the, he's the Wizards. He's no, the, he's I, the- I, I know he's the Wizards. I already mentioned the Wizards. Then the Redskins, they have them at least, right? RG3? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's going well. Uh, yeah, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, nice. All right. So anyway, uh, um, CanesCountry.com, at CanesCountry on Twitter – um canes country picks on instagram pix um so yeah we uh we're kind of keeping with it and as has been our tradition we're going to get underway with draft coverage here in a little while in the middle of the playoffs. i know you were wondering brian but no we don't stop podcasting during the summer and there's nothing to talk about we continue right. well if you uh if, if you want to have me on maybe we can talk about something other than hockey, uh, right? actually i have one question i just have a strange yeah. feeling before we go are you sure. a world war ii guy not really. Oh, fuck. I just uh, thought I had a, a feeling. Bit. Had a feeling. All right, I was wrong. All right, we're going. Brian, thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. You bet, guys. Peace out. Hey, we're back. Thanks, Brian, for giving us all that deets on some coaching situations and other stuff. Brian, always a great guest. Let's talk about our single five-star question we received this week. This was the last week of five-star questions. We might extend another week. If you put reviews on iTunes, rates five stars, and ask questions for one more week, we'll, we'll answer them. But if you don't, this segment's over. Thanks for joining. Enjoying the ride. We are officially at a lot more ratings than we were before. So that's good. We have one question this week from M Dude. I'm assuming that means my dude. 599's five stars. He said, let's go Rangers. Love the podcast. My first one, actually. Man, you've missed a lot. That's a lot you've missed. I feel so bad that we're your first. That's like that's like losing your virginity to the fat I kid. I think he means my, my first Rangers podcast. No, I think he means his first. Well, first of all, he or she, let's not assume. Oh, he's my dude. Uh, you know what? It's not let's not assume. I, how many girls? I've called plenty of girls dudes. That's true. I have one friend who just can't stop saying dude now, and mm. everything he says is, in other words, dude, and I don't know how to handle it. Yeah, I don't care for Moons either, if that's who you're talking it's about. It's not Angel at all. I love I love him. I love Angel. It's my, um, it's my best friend. Whatever. It's Sean. Dude is just a term. It just comes out of the mouth. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude that's I call wild. a lot of people man. Yeah, I do man a lot. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big man guy. I have a problem with that. All right, let's uh, let's get to this question. I started sure. li- I started listening recently, and I feel like I've learned so much about hockey of the Rangers. Man, he so, can't be talking <laughs> yeah, about yeah, podcast. Yeah, what are you, wrong podcast. Uh, five star question: If you had to say 
what are the chances the Rangers make the playoffs next year and make the rebuild more like a retool like the Yankees had a couple of years ago? Thanks. Uh, it's difficult to say because there's just so much up in the air. So much in the air. Everywhere I, say, I look around. I, I will say this. It, I would say if you're expecting the Rangers to do anything beyond maybe capture one of the two wild card spots in the East right, next year, right. you're expecting too much. I, I think there's there is there's always a chance, and we saw it this year with the Devils. If you have good young talent on your roster, you can play yourself into the playoffs before or ahead of schedule. And the Rangers have the makings of a team that could possibly do that. A lot has to happen in order for me to really believe that. But if you wanted me to put a number on it, 40% chance that they win a wild card? That's because the wild cards are so volatile. My dog is howling because he disagrees with you. Mm. Tell Um, me, Artis. My dog Artis said, no, he doesn't. 40 is too high. You must think lower. I think you have to set your expectations pretty low next year, especially, I mean, if John Tavares comes and maybe Kovalchuk comes, and even if Kovalchuk comes, I I don't know. The Metro, it was a shit show, but also strong in some ways. Philly has come Uh, up. The Devils are... The Devils are now a contender. Like, do you feel like we could really compete with the Philly and the Devils next year? Because uh, let's, let's say, all right, let's just play a little game. The Capitals, sure. Capitals stick around, sure, right? They're, yeah. The team's loaded. I mean, Elaine Vigneault, for sure. Elaine Vigneault and the Caps come, they're, they're sticking around. Good. That's one spot. The, yeah. the Blue Jackets, I have a problem seeing them go away, too. Uh, I think that, But you also, I, I feel like we're forgetting that they were. There was a time this year where it didn't look like the Blue Jackets were going to make the playoffs. But they're streaky, man, and Bob gets hot, and that's it. I mean, you can make the same case for Hank. I understand. Yeah. Um, And then the Penguins. So those are the three teams in the Metro not going anywhere. So really what you're saying to yourself as a Ranger fan is can you beat out the Devils, the Flyers, and then in the Atlantic, the wildcard teams there, which would be the Leafs? No, not the Leafs. Uh, The Leafs finished top three. The Leafs will finish top three again next year. So Florida? The uh, Panthers? Yep. Um, I... I would say it wouldn't surprise me if the Rangers finished ahead of two of those three teams. It also wouldn't surprise me if the Rangers finished last out of those teams. Uh, that, that, that's the point. If, if you have the right coach and you have young players that are hungry and you have anything resembling a defense playing in front of Henrik Lundqvist, I don't think you are off base saying the Rangers could possibly be a wildcard team next year. However, I think it's more likely – that they're not. But I don't think it's as far apart as it seems. And this could all ch- – if, if the Rangers completely blow it up this offseason, it could all change, right? So what we really – I think it's, it's – I don't want to lie to – Everything's in holding right now. You, you just listened to your first podcast. I appreciate the question. Thanks for coming on. But right now, if you want to know the answer, got to come back next week. <laughs> yeah, not even next week. You got to come back later this summer. It's just yeah, stick around, M dude. I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to give you false expectations, M dude. I'd never I do that say, to you. I'm going to say at this exact minute, the odds are against the Rangers for making the playoffs next year. Could that change in August? Absolutely. Right. I'm excited to find out. And you have to understand, next year's team is going to be way, way more fun to watch. Uh, yeah, you're actually going to love next year's team. You're going to fucking love it, even if it is losing. All right, that's my only five-star question. If you want to throw some more next week, you can. Otherwise, the segment's over.
We'll think of a we'll think of a new segment. We're putting uh, it we're putting it on you. We got stickers to give away. We got to start trying to think of ways to give away these. We stickers. got some stickers to give away. So well, here's what we'll do. Okay, I'm making oh, it up. On, this out on the I'm making it up on the spot. I can guarantee you, we have not talked about this at all. So I'm excited. It's not that hard of a concept. Oh boy, you, uh, me, the, the listener, Greg Kaplan. No. The people okay. listening, <laughs> if you're out there and you're like, man, I want stickers. And yep. also, I don't want to support Boucher's Breakaway on Patreon because I'm sad. Um, <laughs> you were going to say we – yeah, I know what you were thinking. You were going to say cheap. No. I was actually never going to say that. That was never coming uh, out of my mouth. I know it sounds no. like I was going to say that, but it doesn't. Yeah. I was well, thinking of a good word because I don't want to like disgrace anyone because I think they're listening. That's amazing. I can't believe you're doing that in the first place. That's incredible. <laughs> um, I was I was thinking that. I, yeah. Well, I know why. Anyway. Um, Whoa. Well, we, oh, <laughs> that, that's only funny because it's, it's only funny when I say it. <laughs> When you say it, we're, we're starting. To, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get Eric Schneiderman on the line. I'm going to investigate uh, you. Listen, guys. I love you, buddy. Um, I, I think if usually we, we put out some big articles during the week. Uh, Greg does a great job, and so does Drew. I think if we do, we'll do we'll do retweet giveaways, and we'll send out some stickers. Maybe once, lots and lots of once stickers. every two weeks, we'll do that. We gotta we gotta deplete our current sticker stock so we can reload for new stickers come draft time. So we have more stickers left than I was prepared. I, I fair to say, I ordered too many stickers. But no such thing. Are you going to order the same amount of stickers later this summer? Yes. Never too many stickers. Never. Uh, also, shirts are coming soon for everyone that has subscribed yeah. to the Patreon at that level. Yeah. Uh, they're coming, we're, we're in the process of getting those shipped over to us, and I'll be shipping them out to all the all the people that are supporters. And we should we should add. I was going to mention right now. We're going to give some of those shirts away this summer. But also, we should add not an unlimited supply of shirts, people. No, these shirts. Got to tell you. Going faster than I expected. Yes. And how many uh, – I could answer this question because I know I have it written down. I would say we have 45 to 50 shirts left. That's true. Well, I would say 40-ish. 40-ish. Mm-hmm. I will say if you want to guarantee yourself a shirt, only way you can do it is by becoming a top-tier Patreon subscriber. Top-tier Patreon. And you're, not, and you're not cheap. You're not cheap. I know I, I know what Greg thinks about you. It's not true. <laughs> Otherwise, you're playing a dangerous game, my friend. Yes, uh, but thanks so much. That's enough plugging for us. We've done too much. We've um, done quite a bit. Who the F is Bleacher's Breakaway? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I bought a plant. Now, hear, hear me out. I, I don't understand. Hear me out. <laughs> I've had a rough week. I think that's fair to say. Had a lot, yeah. a lot go on. It's a lot, Monday. A lot of aspects. I mean, it's been like the last seven days together. A lot of aspects of my life have gone crazy. Yet here I am doing a podcast. Uh, mm. So I was, in, I was in cleaning mode. We had one nice day. Jeez. <laughs> one nice day <laughs> in New York. Uh, so I was in cleaning mode, went to Home Depot. I saw this really dumb, awkward, awful plant. Yep. It, uh, we can post a picture on the Twitter. It is a six-foot corn plant. Now, I know what you're thinking. Ryan, is that, does it grow corn? It does not. But it looks nope. like stocks of corn, maybe a little bit. I fell in so love with it. It's corn, corn adjacent. It's corn plant house plant. And I was at Home Depot, and I was like, this thing needs love and a home. And somehow I picked it up and carried it to my car and put it in my hallway. So now I have a giant fucking plant in my hallway and I'm in love with it. There you go. Hmm. It makes me happy. How was your birthday, Greg? Yeah, so let's do a birthday edition of uh, who the F is Blue Shirts Breakaway. I bought myself an early gift. It was my plant. Oh, I should tell you, I I named my plant. I've been listening to a lot of Hamilton. I'm like kind of obsessed. I don't know how I'm so late to this. Yeah. I'm really late. But I named my plant, you, you know General Lafayette? Mm, yes, he was he was a son of a bitch. Yeah, I named my plant 
General Lefayette. All right, that's two for two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, on Wednesday of last week, your boy turned 29. Yo, shut up. Shout Thank out you. to you, boy. So I want to – let's do a birthday edition of Who the F is Blucher's Breakaway. When I was in high school, this is going to surprise a lot of people. I was a bit of a shit. Whoa. Um, Hold on. What's changed? <laughs> my, mom, my mom and I – this was one of the few years where my birthday didn't fall during Passover. So I was allowed to have real cake. This was a big fucking deal. Oh, we talked about this. But uh, have we talked about it on the podcast? I think we talked about the cake thing on the podcast. Did I – oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Because I, I heard the story. Pretty sure you told me about I'm the cake. I'm pretty sure I only tell the story on podcasts. So, all right. Well, there you go. My mom threw my cake off a birthday uh, for my birthday because I locked her outside in the rain. Pretty that, sure. That's basically. Pretty sure. All right. All right different, different birthday story. Different yeah, birthday sure. Story. <laughs> different birthday story. <laughs> no one audible, but I'm pretty sure I've heard this. And the only way I've heard this is on a podcast. Uh, all right. Omaha. 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 Uh, Omaha. 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 Should we, tra- should we trade Odell Beckham? Oh, no, we've already talked about yeah. that too. Oh my god, this deja vu episode. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, let's see. Most depressing you, birthday no, I've ever had. Not get sad, bro. I'm too sad already. It's not that sad. Like I wasn't like crying. You it know was what? Just, Fuck it. It's, I'm it's, audible in here for you. Okay. The Mets are doing really well. No, 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 no. no. I want to tell this birthday story. I want to tell this birthday story. Then we can talk about the Mets. Okay. Um, no, it's not. It's just I grew up in a town that I thought was mostly. Jewish, and then one of my birthdays, I realized it wasn't. It was my birthday was on a Sunday during Passover. It was also Easter Sunday, and the final round of the Masters. And I was definitely too old to ever have a birthday party, but it was still my birthday, and I wanted to hang out with my friends. I quickly figured out that all my friends were doing Easter shit, so I spent my entire birthday deprived of cake. With my dad watching like, the final round of the worst okay. Masters ever. I, I, I don't want to be this guy, but do it. You've also told this story. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you ate Chinese food with your dad. Yeah. Watch no, the I didn't even eat Chinese. There was never Dude, Chinese food. I promise you. I don't know if you told it on this podcast. I oh, cannot no. remember. But you have told me that, and then I talked about my dad, and he gave me the the thing for Easter. This happened, oh. dude. Oh my god! Yeah, um, let's talk right. about that. Let me see if I can find the birthday. Hold on, hold on, no, I'm not holding. Everyone has listened to this already. It's deja vu. <laughs> no one cares. So let's, anyway, let's, the Mets are twelve and two. <laughs> yeah, the Mets are twelve and two along with the Red Sox. I got no, the Red Sox are thirteen and two. Are they? They're half game up on it. I just looked. Oh, they are thirteen and two. You're right. Um, yeah, I know I'm right. You're right. You're right. Right. Yankee seven seven. Um, the Nationals this, six and eight, I think. Uh, worse, actually, seven and nine. Um, <laughs> is that worse? Uh, no, it's not better. Well, it's not. It's the same, actually. <laughs> uh, pretty much. But all being all that being said, this Mets team, how dangerous is this to your health? Uh, tragic, actually. It's tragic because it's you're in a spot. I think both of us agree that we did not expect this. Right, and the the problem is like mathematically, yeah, it's been fourteen games. At the same time, it's now becoming – it will be a, drama- a tremendous disappointment if the Mets somehow don't make the playoffs. It, like, and at no I, point I'm here for you because yeah. I'm ready for it. At no point in the season, if your team is 10 games over 500, should they miss the playoffs? That's the rule number one to being a good baseball team. Because if the Mets just play 500 baseball from here on out, they should get to about 88 wins, which puts them – 88 wins should get you a wild card. 
So all the Mets have to do for the rest of this season is be average. And this team is with the pitching they have, if it stays healthy, is capable of at least being average. Gotta be honest, there's been a lot of good pitching performances from this team. Uh, the bullpen has been not the starters. This the, the, like that was Syndergaard's best start yesterday, right? But the, the, the starters, bullpen, the bullpen's been phenomenal, and also the response hitting this team has is ridiculous. Oh my god, the numbers are crazy. The Mets, uh, I think it's like 14 innings they've scored. No, 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 it, I mean, it's, it's more than that. It, it was going into the Brewers series. The Mets had given up runs in 23 innings, and they had promptly scored in the next half inning 12 times. And then they did it. They did it yesterday. They gave up two runs, and Nimmo immediately hit a solo home run to tie the game. They did it on um, Friday as well. That was weird. Ah, it was just a. It was a paper move, though. Still weird. That that. It was a paper move. He's okay. back. And right. Now he's hitting the cycle like every fucking night because that's the Mets this year. <laughs> sure. It seems unbelievable. It does. Also, feel really do, you want, do you want to talk about, as the last bit of nonsense before we get out of here, the trade that the Giants and Marlins agreed to for Giancarlo Stanton before he said no to San Francisco? Yes. I'd like you to read off the trade so I can react appropriately. Oh, my God. Um, I need to pull it back. I know the major leaguer that people are going to know in this deal is Denard Span. Denard Spann was the major leaguer. Okay. Denard, it, it was left-handed pitcher Andrew Suarez, third baseman Jacob Gonzalez, and veteran outfielder Denard Spann. If and you haven't heard of Suarez and Gonzalez... That's fine, because they're yeah. nobody. Suarez is maybe the Giants' seventh best pitching prospect. And, and I got to talk to you about the Giants' farm. It's awful. It's bad. And Gonzalez is... Not even on the top thirty in the Giants system. Nope. And they were like, "Well, they had to take all the money, though, right? That had to be the case. It had to be the case." But we go back and look at what the Yankees now offered Stanton. They overpaid. They did, and both those <laughs> both those prospects, like the Yankees farm system, is stacked. Uh, Harrison and I believe it was Jorge Guzman uh, are both Guzman. Guzman, Guzman? sorry, Guzman. Guzman. Jeez, that was bad. I'm sorry. That was bad. That was bad. Guzman. Uh, have actually significant upside and can be real players. So let, the fact- let me let me put it let me put it this way: If the Yankees got Suarez, Gonzalez, and Span for Starlin Castro, we'd have a problem with that trade. We'd have a serious problem with that trade. <laughs> the 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 quote unquote best piece the Yankees gave up for Giancarlo Stanton. If the Giants package was offered for Castro, it gets laughed out of the building. Absolutely. And I can't even really talk about the Yankees right now because yeah, you suck. No, not because we suck. I mean, hey, the, stop booing Stanton, by the way. The bullpen, the ball, because Stanton fucking had a week, dude. He went nuts. And Aaron yeah. Judge is hitting the ball everywhere. He's, that's, that's cool. He's still 500. Yeah, because we're the entire seven. team is dead. Well, yeah, that too. I think Glaber, Also, but are people talking enough about the shitty start Gary Sanchez has gotten off to? No, I don't think so. He was two for 22 at one point in the last week, and uh, he's really been struggling uh, terrible judges judge and stanton have really done their job i know that stanton had his two significant strikeout games but since then he's been torrid man like just like you said on the last podcast he when he gets hot is unstoppable and that's what he's been it, and with the exception of the game where the red sox literally murdered the yankees 14 to 1 uh and they i just I'm going to complain about Aaron Boone a lot this summer. I feel it he's, ar- already. He's, he's um, the uh, he's the anti-Callaway. It's it, 
mind-boggling where he goes out there and just, like, leaves a guy in. And he doesn't have guys warming up in situations that are tough. And he brings in the wrong guys. I just – his bullpen management is just so questionable. And this early, I mean, I hope he can learn. Obviously, it's a process. Mickey Callaway has a little bit more than him. Boone's been in ESPN the last couple of years. But, man, I, I didn't really like the signing when it happened. And I still I, – I don't have a good feeling about it. Uh, meanwhile – Mickey looks good, man. He, he, his management of the pitching staff has been otherworldly. I think that's fair. I, 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 the word I was going to say is pristine. Like he hasn't. He made his "quote unquote" first mistake uh, yesterday, and it involved bringing in Jay Bruce to pinch hit with second and third and two out, and Syndergaard on deck. And he had no intention of taking Syndergaard out of the game, so they just walked Bruce to get to Syndergaard, and then Syndergaard popped up. And it, it seemed weird at the time. But even his explanation as to why he decided to do that, he said he didn't want to play Jay Bruce in the field. He didn't want to double switch Jay Bruce into the game. He needed another inning out of Syndergaard. So Syndergaard was always going to bat in that situation. And he had to pinch hit with somebody. So he, I, the argument you can make is that he should have just let Tomas Nito hit. But that's like still a refreshing argument that he made. It's a sound, it's a sound argument. What, what he should have done is just let Nito hit. And either the Brewers pitch the needle where they don't, and then you still get the bases loaded and two out for Syndergaard, uh, and you don't burn Bruce that early in the game. But you know what? The Mets won the fucking game. And Syndergaard pitched well the next – well, he got the one out he needed to get the next thing, and then he walked the guy and they pulled him. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Every reliever that Callaway brings into the game just fucking works. And I don't know if that's because the relievers the Mets have now are good or if that's just like Callaway knows who to bring in when. Lugo and Gazelman have been – Gazelman's going to win a Cy Young. I, I don't know how he's going to do it. What? He's going to do it in a bullpen. <laughs> okay, we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> More Yankees and Mets talk to come the rest of this offseason. Uh, what you can look forward to this offseason? A lot of fucking nonsense. A lot of fucking nonsense. We're going to try and cover the playoffs a little bit more as they go on, uh, but not us personally because we're not great at it. We're going to talk about the Rangers, but we're going to try and bring on some guests to talk about the playoffs. We might make an appearance on some other podcasts. So we'll let you guys know. Uh, yeah, and as you've got a taste with today, we're going to be focusing a lot on the coaching search. We can tell you next week we're going to be talking a lot about Sheldon Keefe. Absolutely. A All lot right. about Sheldon Keefe. All right, man. We're out of here. Peace. Follow us on Twitter. Up to Twitter. I'm Bush Break. We're almost 1100. Bye. I love you. Bye. <laughs>